the truth and the Epstein files are getting out. Or are they? Uh, Snowflake students never seem to go away. And I got a story tonight you're not going to believe. Well, maybe you will. And there will be no ban on gas stoves. But, dot, 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 (laughs) you wait to see how those sneaky people are getting around that idea. Welcome to the Jay Sheldon Show. We are live across Facebook, YouTube, thank you. Yes, thank you. Uh, We're live across uh, Facebook, YouTube, twitch.tv, and rumble.com, I think. I got to tell you, Rumble folks, uh, this could be our last live show because the lag on Rumble, everything else is fine. Every other platform, I got no problem. YouTube, Facebook, Twitch.tv. But for some reason, as wonderful as Rumble is, as amazing, I really wish they'd get their asses in gear and straighten this crap out over there. But for some reason, it's either cutting up the show like last uh, the last show we did, which was about 50-some-odd minutes long. It was 26 minutes on Rumble because it kept cutting out parts of the show. It's technical stuff. It's not any censorship or anything. But I've tried six ways to Sunday. I'm trying one more thing tonight. If that doesn't work, then I'll simply not be live on Rumble. But we record the show while we're live, because that's where our podcast comes from, on Spotify, Apple, iTunes, wherever you get your podcast, you can find the Jay Sheldon Show podcast. And we will upload it after we go live to Rumble, so you guys get the full show. My apologies, Rumble.com audience. We got lots of viewers over there, and sadly, you get a laggy, crap-ass version of the show. And we can't have that. So until they get their stuff together, uh, we're just going to, we'll see tonight. Tonight is the last test. If this doesn't work, then we'll go to uploading the video after the show airs live uh, to Rumble. And you can find it there. And please do check us out. It's the Jay Sheldon Show on Rumble.com. And uh, subscribe, or follow, I should say. Follow over there on the Jay Sheldon Show. Uh, we just have, we have quite a few followers on my main channel. But we need to get you over to uh, go. Hey, Missy. Hello there, Missy Bean. Go easy on Rumble. I think it's because they're getting so inundated due to everyone moving over to them. They're not censored. Uh, Be patient. They are for the Patriots. Play nice. No, look, like I said, I absolutely love Rumble. I will always be on Rumble no matter what. I want to be live on Rumble like I am on the other platforms. I don't give a fig about the other platforms as long as I'm on Rumble. But if I can't get live and not get laggy and 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 the show cut up, there's no point. So you'll still get the same show. It's just as opposed to being live, you'll see it an hour after we get done doing it live on the other channels. Anyway, uh, no, believe me, I am a dyed-in-the-wool Rumble supporter a thousand percent. If you are not on Rumble... If you don't have an account over there, you don't know what you're missing. It is an amazing channel, rumble.com. It's free to sign up. All you need is an email address. They don't spam your email box or anything. They don't sell your emails. Uh, but you just put in your email, you get an account. You don't have to upload. You don't have to live stream. You just watch the videos. And if you have an account, 
you can actually then like and rumble and uh, make comments and things. So it, it's very helpful. And of course, follow. <laughs> All right, enough about that. Let's move on to our sweetest little girl, and that would be Mizzy Miko and the Miko Update. I love that music, don't you? All right, you see this? This is a completely dark video. <laughs> but there is sound. Check this out. This is when we got home last night. Just opening the door. This is how we get greeted every night. She is so excited to see us every time we get home. She goes nuts. First she runs over there. Then she runs over to me. <laughs> then she runs back. She doesn't know which person to go to first. She's so excited that we're home. <laughs> there you go. She is, uh, yeah. <laughs> She's doing great. Uh, and as I said, now I, I got one more little update thing for you. I posted it earlier today. Take a look at uh, this. That's the dinosaur that we've talked about before. This dinosaur from this shot doesn't look too bad, but take a look. Every time she puts a hole in it, we have to sew it. And so, I mean, because we don't care what it looks like, we just use the ugliest color thread we can find. And these are all the different surgeries we've had to do to this stupid dinosaur because she keeps putting her teeth through it and pulling out the fluff. Look at that. The whole stitch all the way down there. In fact, on the back of the dinosaur, she opened that up. So there you go. And uh, there is the murdering Miko and her victim, Dinosaur. <laughs> she loves that thing to death. Other than the shirt, it's one of her favorite toys. Our Miko updates brought to you by BarkBox.com slash Miko. That's the link. It's in our show notes tonight. That's the show notes down below. And uh, you can uh, head over there and get yourself a free month if you sign up for a multi-month subscription using our special link, BarkBox.com slash Miko. They are a subscription service, and every month you get a themed box of toys and treats and chew for your dog. All kinds of amazing toys. They custom make them. Every month is a new theme. You want to check this out, maybe buy it for a friend who has a fur friend, even if you don't. And if you sign up for a multi-month subscription, you can sign up for one month. But if you go six or 12 months, you get an extra month free when you use our link, BarkBox.com slash Miko. The link is in our show notes. Two toys, two bags of treats, and a dog chew sized for your dog. All natural, good stuff. Your dog will love it, I promise. And they come with 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you are ever not happy with anything, you get a hold of their customer service and they will make it right. They're great folks over there at BarkBox.com. And uh, by the way, if you look down below our BarkBox.com slash Miko, there's an alternative link you can use. If, you, if you're not so keen on the free month, you can get a free dog bed. They're beautiful. They come in three different fabrics you can choose from, three sizes, depending upon the size of your dog. And you just use that other special link in our show notes, and that will get you to the offer for the free dog bed when you sign up at BarkBox.com. Thank you, BarkBox, for sponsoring the Miko Update. Yes, indeed. All right. 
Well, we didn't lose power today. That's a plus. And uh, I'm telling you, the last couple of days, we lost power again yesterday, did I tell you? In the mid-afternoon, about 3, 4 o'clock, uh, we lost power uh, for about an hour and a half. So, eh. all right, let's get on with it. The Epstein Files. Oh, man, I've been waiting for this for a long time. And, you know, you look on Twitter and you look at all the hashtags on the Epstein files. Some people say they are out. Some people say they're not. Some people say these are fake. Some people say they're not. Mr. Cernovich has done what I consider at this point to be probably the most comprehensive all-in-one place for you to check out the Epstein Files. This is a top link in our show notes. It's from uh, Cernovich.com. And the headline, The unsealed Epstein documents are here. Cannot encourage you enough to check out this from Cernovich.com. The link is directly in our show notes. It'll take you right there. The day after these court records were unsealed, Jeffrey Epstein died by suicide. 2,000 previously sealed documents in a case involving Epstein are now available. They were sealed under court order until Mike Cernovich of Cerno Media filed a motion to unseal the documents. The Miami Herald soon joined his lawsuit. Second Court of Appeals ordered the documents unsealed. Uh, he's uploaded some of the documents. There are separate links inside this uh, this web page where you can go directly to all the documents. You, they're huge. And uh, more will be uploaded soon. More documents expected to be released soon. And he, uh, he will update accordingly. So you might even want to bookmark this page and go back and check it out. But the links are there. Bill Clinton, some highlights from the files held a private event on Epstein's pedophile island, according to uh, one of Epstein's victims. Clinton had previously denied, of course, ever being at the island. We know that's not true. Uh, Ghislaine Maxwell would troll women's locker rooms to find women to perform sexual acts for Jeffrey Epstein and his rich friends. Uh, Senator George Mitchell, Governor Bill Richardson, allegedly partied with Epstein on his island. Now, look, in not in all cases are we implying, or nor is Cernovich, that there was sex involved. In some cases, absolutely that was uh, the case. But just because somebody partied with Epstein on the island doesn't necessarily mean there was sex, and in some cases, sex with underage girls involved. Uh, Glenn Dubin, Marvin Minsky, Jean-Luc Brunel, Prince Andrew, another prince, a foreign president, and an unknown owner of a, quote, large hotel chain, unquote, uh, in France, were among the men one of Epstein's victims alleged to have been forced to have sex with. Epstein's Amazon orders. Yeah, there are receipts for orders from Amazon in these records, which include books with the following titles. S&M 101, A Realistic Introduction. If you don't know what S&M stands for, it's sadomasochism. Look it up, or maybe don't. <laughs> uh, another title, Slavecraft, Roadmaps 
for Erotic Servitude. These are books on the Amazon receipt. And a workbook for erotic slaves and their owners. Hmm. On, there's, there's the actual receipt right there from Amazon with the titles of the books. Hmm. Uh, court orders sunlight on huge tranche of Epstein files. These are media coverage. These are where it has been covered in the news. You know, oh, look, a balloon. It's UFOs and everything. Just as this stuff starts to come out. You think that's a coincidence? Yeah, good luck with that. Trump and Clinton never had sex with any of Jeffrey Epstein's girls, say former sex slave, who reveals she met Al Gore through Ghislaine Maxwell in Unsealed Documents, that article from the Daily Mail. A huge record cache details how Epstein and Madam lured girls into their depraved world. Anyway, it's developing. There is more to come. Bookmark this a link I put in the show notes. Check it out. But again, the big thing you want to do on this uh, site here is right about a third of the way down the page. It says, I've uploaded some of the documents here and here. There's two links. And you can, I tell you, grab a cup of coffee or a beer and, and set aside a bunch of time because there are tons of documents there. Some are just garbage. Some are very interesting. And you will no doubt want to want to dig through. Maybe you come up with something nobody else has found. Because it's a mess. It's a big mess. And uh, in fact, in a related story, this from the uh, Daily Mail, rather interesting. We referred to it slightly in the last story we brought you. Here's a quote. Say hi to Snow White. I owe you so much. How ousted Barclays boss Jess Daly referenced Disney princesses in a trove of 1,200 bombshell emails with profound friend Epstein, even when the pedo financier was locked up. Daly engaged about 1,200 emails with Epstein, forced out of his role as Barclays boss in 2021 over his links to Epstein. In one exchange, he wrote to Epstein, That was fun. Say hi to Snow White. The former boss of Barclays made suggestive references to Disney princesses in his emails to Epstein. Court documents revealed just last night they exchanged about 1,200 emails as part of what the former referred to as a profound relationship. They've come to light in a case filed against J.P. Morgan Bank by the government of the U.S. Virgin Islands, which is where Epstein has or had his private island. This guy, Staley, is 66 years old, executive, chief executive of J.P. Morgan's executive private bank which uh, counted Epstein as a client until 2013, became head of Barclays in 2015, and because of his links to Epstein, was forced out in 2021. These references to Disney princesses. Here it is. Here's the email. Uh, Say hi to Snow White. Epstein responded, What character would you like next? When Stanley and Beauty and uh, said Beauty and the Beast, Epstein replied, "Well, 
one side is available. Hmm. These are the actual court records. Right there. That's what you're seeing. Highlighted. Unbelievable. It just gets worse. Again, that Cernovich site is brilliant. Check it out. Bookmark it. Go back. Check it again because it will be updated. And uh, the information there is eye-opening, to say the least. Unbelievable. All right. Snowflakeville. Blaze Media. That's the link in our show notes. You want to check it out. You can read the whole article. They're doing it again, folks. These freaking snowflakes and their stupid, ridiculous, garbage students should report race-related stress. Now, what is race-related stress? Not getting called on in class by the professor. That according to a California university. The professor didn't call on me. He must be a racist. I have stress. You see, this just never stops. And they're being students are being encouraged to report their race-related stress. Students at a California university encouraged to report race-related stress, such as not being called on in class by the professor, according to the New York Post. California State University's Monterey Bay's Personal Growth and Counseling Center website. <laughs> Personal growth. Instruct students to document and report instances of racism and intolerance experienced on campus. Well, you know, if it really were racism or intolerance, great, report it. But the fact that the professor didn't call on you in class, you wimpy-ass little nothing piece of garbage, sit down, shut up, and get a real job. The center cites not being called on in class as an example. You see, it's not even in a lot of cases the students. These idiots running these colleges, these professors, these left-wing nutbags are encouraging this crap. The website and this center, Growth and Counseling Center, is encouraging these students to report the behavior. Don't ignore or minimize your... This is from the site. Listen to this. Don't ignore or minimize your experiences and think broadly about what could be an act of racism. It doesn't have to be an overt act. For example, the professor consistently not calling on you or minimizing your contributions, curriculum, racially based, biased, etc. Talk to someone you trust and report it. According to the center, race-related stress reactions only require that a person believes they were the target of racism. Just like if you were born a man and you believe you're a woman, you can be a woman. Just like that. 
read the rest of this article. I'm not just I'm just not going to continue with this foolishness because it's stupid. But you know, like I said, it's not entirely the students' fault. These colleges and centers are encouraging encouraging this crap to go on. All right, moving on. Next story. Seriously, it just it just gets worse. You remember the whole thing about gas stoves? You know, they wanted to ban gas stoves, you know, after a billion years of people using gas stoves and countries run. My, if, I tell you what, like I said when we covered this the last time, if Malaysia banned gas stoves, no one would eat. We would all starve to death. Everyone uses gas here. Well, 90%, I would guess, uses gas, including obviously restaurants. Well, <clears throat> the Biden administration said they would not ban gas stoves. They retracted the whole idea. Okay, so done. Thank you very much. Okay, we won. Wrong. They're not going to ban gas stoves. They're going to price them so you can't afford a gas stove. Not kidding. It's from the Daily Signal. Links in our show notes. Biden said no to an outright gas stove ban, but he's willing to price them out of existence instead. He likely had his fingers crossed last month when promising Americans that the administration doesn't support gas stove bans. Because this month, the Department of Energy released a proposed rule which... Unbelievable, which updating energy efficiency standards with new costly and very stringent standards for conventional cooking products, which includes gas stoves. It would make them virtually unaffordable for most people. After the media hailstorm back in January when the Consumer Product Safety Commission member said they would be pursuing a nationwide ban. Um, the White House quick to respond during a press conference shortly thereafter, assuring us, relax, folks, we're not going to ban gas stoves. And a month later, just like that, the administration's action in its war on conventional fuels belies such claims. This includes proposing un totally unrealistic efficiency standards that basically would alter what products you can purchase. It would make it so impossible for the companies who build and sell these gas stoves to meet these ridiculous standards. They would have to price gas stoves at such a level that no one could afford them. So, we didn't ban gas stoves. But you read this article, you find out the bullcrap these people are up to. They'll find a way no matter what, and they'll try and sneak it in under the radar so you don't know, and we're not going to let that happen. Check this article out, read it, share it with your friends. These people will do anything, anything to get their way, to shove this crap down your throat whether you want it or not. Doesn't matter. Unbelievable. All right, 
Let's do something that's not too controversial, huh? We lost a legend this week. Raquel Welsh. I'm pretty sure everybody by now has heard of Raquel Welsh's passing. No doubt she was the stunningly beautiful lady. Sex appeal to spare. But there's one thing that this poster, Ian McKelvey from Twitter, posted. He said, one thing I find very interesting about her. In short, she never posed nude. She never appeared nude on the silver screen or in photographs. About that, Raquel Welsh said, this is quote, I am my father's daughter, and that's just not the way you behave. You don't do that if you are a certain kind of woman, and that's the kind of woman that I was raised to be. She also said, I've definitely used my body and sex appeal to advantage in my work, but it was always within limits. I reserve some things for my private life, and they are not for sale. And as he writes, kudos to her for having a moral compass and staying true to herself. Rest in peace, Raquel Welsh. What a class act. What an amazing class lady. Look, you'll see the pictures here on our screen. I mean, there's no doubt this is a sexy woman using every bit of her sex appeal, as she said, but never posed nude, never did a naked scene in a film, because that's just the way she was. Sexy and classy. And you know what? That makes her even more sexy. So, Raquel Welsh passed away and, well, what a lady. Beautiful. All right, got one more for you. Then we're going to get on to our book here. This is a, a quickie and a good newsy kind of thing because we always love ending our our shows, uh, this part of the show, with a piece of good news. However, for some reason, oh, okay. <laughs> this is uh, this is Frank Kafka. I'm just going to quickly pop over here, show you his picture, because. The whole thing is just text on a page. It's just words. The link is in our show notes. If you want to share it out on your social media, please do, because it's an amazing story. Sorry, coffee break time. All right, so let me get back away from that. And uh, that's Frank Kafka. Now, let me tell you the story about Frank Kafka. He's 40 years old. He lived until 1924. Never married, never had any children. He was walking through a park one day in Berlin, and he met a girl crying because she'd lost her favorite doll. She and Kafka searched for the doll, had no success, and Kafka told her to meet him there the next day, and they would come back to look for her. Well, the next day, when they'd not yet found the doll, Kafka gave the girl a written letter by the doll which said, please don't cry. I took a trip to see the world, and I'll write you about my adventures. And thus begins a story which continued until the end of Kafka's life. 
During the meetings, Kafka read the letters from the doll, very carefully written with adventures, conversations. The girl found them adorable. Finally, Kafka brought back the doll, the bought one, that had returned to Berlin. It doesn't look like my doll at all, said the girl. And Kafka handed her another letter, in which the doll had written, My travels have changed me. The little girl hugged the new doll and brought the doll with her to her happy home. A year later, Kafka passed away. Many years later, the now adult girl found a letter inside the doll. In the tiny letter signed by Kafka was written, Everything you love will probably be lost, but in the end, love will return in another way. Wow. Embrace change. It's inevitable for growth. Together we can shift pain into wonder and love but it's up to us to consciously and intentionally create that connection. There he is, Mr. Kafka. Is that a nice story or what? True story too, by the way. Absolutely true story, Mr. Kafka. Brilliant. He was nobody famous. He didn't go on to cure cancer or do anything miraculous like that. But what he did was to give hope to a little girl who lost her doll. How sweet is that? Man, it's amazing. Incredible. All right. Let's move it on over here and go to our book. How about that? There we go. Okay. I, sorry, I got lost in the technical aspects of things for a minute. <laughs> I'm telling you. Okay, it's time for the book, and we read books on this show. In the last half of our show, we've been doing that for almost 300 over episodes we've done so forth. What is this, 326 or 325? Yeah, we've been doing this for a long time. Uh, and uh, what uh, we do is read uh, classics from Alice in Wonderland, Peter Pan, Wizard of Oz, The Little Prince, uh, Winnie the Pooh, you name it, we've done all kinds of great books. We read them either a chapter at a time or part of a chapter till we get all the way through to the end, and then we start a new one. And right now we've been doing White Fang for quite a while. It's a long book, but uh, we're also considering seriously doing Treasure Island after White Fang. That's a long book. <laughs> so if, uh, if you like that idea, send me an email or a PM on any of our social media platforms. Our email is show at jsheldon.com, S-H-O-W, show at jsheldon.com. And uh, let me know. If you've got another one you'd prefer, let me know that too, because a lot of the, what we have read in the past has been suggestions from viewers and listeners to what they'd like to hear. So by all means, we listen to you. We sure do. All right. So before we start our book, one more reminder, please just hit that follow button. It's right there. It's free. It costs you nothing. And it really helps out the show. Thank you so much for following and subscribing to our channel. Okay. Here we go. You ready? We're going to continue on with White Fang. White Fang had tried to follow his mother 
and uh, wound up getting the beating of a lifetime. And when he wound up getting thrown back on the shore, completely beaten to hell and defeated, well, you know, Lip Lip, his arch enemy, was waiting. And White Fang had no more energy to fight back when Lip Lip came and attacked. White Fang was too helpless to defend himself. And it would have gone hard with him had not Grey Beaver's foot shot out, lifting Lip-Lip into the air with its violence so that he smashed down to the earth a dozen feet away. This was the man-animal's justice. And even then, in his own pitiable plight, White Fang experienced a little grateful thrill. At Grey Beaver's heels, he limped obediently through the village to the teepee. And so it came that White Fang learned that the right to punish was something the gods reserved for themselves and denied to the lesser creatures under them. That night, when all was still, White Fang remembered his mother and sorrowed for her. He sorrowed too loudly and woke up Grey Beaver, who beat him. After that, he mourned gently when the gods were around. But somehow, sometimes straying off to the edge of the wood by himself, he gave vent to his grief, cried it out with long whimperings and wailings. It was during this period that he might have hearkened to the memories of the lair and the stream and the run back to the wild. But the memory of his mother held him. As the hunting man-animals went out and came back, so she would come back to the village sometime. So he remained in his bondage, awaiting her. But it was not altogether an unhappy bondage. There was much to interest him. Something was always happening. There was no end to the strange things these gods did, and he was always curious to see. Besides, he was learning how to get along with Grey Beaver. Obedience, rigid, undeviating obedience, was what was exacted of him, and in return he escaped beatings, and his existence was tolerated. Nay, Grey Beaver himself sometimes tossed him a piece of meat, defended him against the other dogs in the eating of it, and such a piece of meat was of value. It was worth more in some strange way than a dozen pieces of meat from the hand of a squaw. Grey Beaver never petted nor caressed. Perhaps it was the weight of his hand, perhaps his justice, perhaps the sheer power of him. Perhaps it was all these things that influenced White Fang, for a certain tie of attachment was forming between him and his surly lord. Insidiously, and by remote ways, as well as by the power of stick and stone and clout of hand, were the shackles of White Fang's bondage being riveted upon him. The qualities in his kind that in the beginning made it possible for them to come into the fires of men were qualities capable of development. They were developing in him, and the camp life, replete with misery as it was, was secretly endearing itself to him all the time. But White Fang was unaware of it. He only knew grief for the loss of Kiche, 
hope for her return, and a hungry yearning for the free life that had been his. Chapter 3, The Outcast Lip-Lip continued so to darken his days that White Fang became wickeder and more ferocious than it was his natural right to be. Savageness was a part of his makeup, but the savageness thus developed exceeded his makeup. He acquired a reputation for wickedness among the man-animals themselves. Whenever there was trouble, an uproar in camp, fighting, squabbling, or the outcry of a squaw over a bit of stolen meat, they were sure to find White Fang mixed up in it, and usually at the bottom of it. They didn't bother to look after the causes of his conduct. They saw only the effects, and the effects were bad. He was a sneak and a thief, a mischief-maker a fomenter of trouble, and irate squaws told him to his face that while he eyed them alert and ready to dodge any quick-flung missile, that he was a wolf, worthless, and bound to come to an evil end. Well, he found himself an outcast in the midst of the populous camp. All the young dogs followed Lip-Lip's lead, there was a difference between White Fang and them. Perhaps they sensed his wild wood breed, instinctively felt for him the enmity that the domestic dog feels for the wolf. But be that as it may, they joined Lip-Lip in the persecution, and once declared against him, they found good reason to continue declared against him. One and all, from time to time, felt his teeth, and to his credit, he gave more than he received. Many of them could help whip in a single fight, but single fight was denied him. The beginning of such a fight was a signal for all the young dogs in camp to come running and pitch upon him. One of his pack persecution, he learned two important things how to take care of himself in a mass fight against him, and how, on a single dog, to inflict the greatest amount of damage in the briefest space of time. To keep one's feet in the midst of the hostile mass meant life, and this he learned well. He became cat-like in his ability to stay on his feet. Even grown dogs might hurtle him backwards or sideways with the impact of their heavy bodies and Backwards or sideways, he would go, in the air or sliding on the ground, but always with his legs under him and his feet downward to Mother Earth. When dogs fight, there are usually preliminaries to the actual combat. Snarling, bristling, stiff-legged strutting. But White Fang learned to omit those preliminaries. Delay meant the coming against him of all the young dogs. He must do work quickly and then get away. So he learned to give no warning of his intention. He rushed in, snapped, slashed in an instant without notice before his foe could even prepare to meet him. And thus he learned how to inflict quick and severe damage. Also he learned the value of surprise. 
a dog taken off its guard, its shoulder slashed open, or its ear ripped in ribbons, before it knew what was happening, was a dog half-whipped. Furthermore, it was remarkably easy to overthrow a dog taken by surprise, while a dog thus overthrown invariably exposed for a moment the soft underside of its neck, the vulnerable point at which to strike for its life. White Fang knew this point. It was a knowledge bequeathed to him directly from the hunting generations of wolves. So it was that White Fang's method when he took the offensive. First, to find a young dog alone. Second, to surprise it, knock it off its feet. And third, to drive in with his teeth at the soft throat. But being partly grown, his jaws had not yet become large enough nor strong enough to make his throat attack deadly. But many a young dog went around camp with a lacerated throat in token of White Fang's intention. And one day, catching one of his enemies alone on the edge of the woods, he managed, by repeatedly overthrowing him and attacking the throat, to gut the great vein and let out its life. It was a great row that night. He'd been observed. The news had been carried to the dead dog's master. The squaws remembered all the instances of stolen meat. Gray Beaver was beset by many angry voices. But he resolutely held the door of his teepee inside which he'd placed the culprit and refused to permit vengeance for which his tribe's people clamored. White Fang became hated by man and dog. My, that didn't go where I was expecting it to go. <laughs> All right, we'll continue on with this on uh, Monday Night Show. More in the adventure of White Fang. Wow, I'm loving this book. Amazing. As I told you before, I mean, it's such a classic. And people my age usually have read it when they were a young person or had it read to them. I never did including, by the way, our next book, possibly, Treasure Island. I've never read Treasure Island, and I, 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 that's one of the reasons I want to do it. I look forward to it, because it's such a classic. And uh, like I said, uh, I don't read ahead. I discover this book as I read it to you. So we're, we're, we're discovering it together. Hope you're enjoying it. All right, that's going to do it for us. I'll see you again on Monday night, 10 o'clock Malaysian time. Thanks so much. Be sure to like and follow. It really helps the show and it's free. Just click that button and off you go. This is the Jay Sheldon Show. Good night. <laughs>